You're listening to the Her Business Beat podcast, where real women share how purpose drives profits and how life harmony can exist with your hustle. I'm Geneva Moresma, the founder of Hearts and Heels, a networking group for women where we work together for flourishing businesses and come together through enriching education and joyful relationships. Whether you're a part-time business owner or a fast-scaling entrepreneur who is also a conscientious leader, you can create soul-led success by fueling your greatest ambitions with pure heart. So pour yourself a cup of coffee or a glass of cab, pop in your AirPods, and get ready to check your purpose pulse to create work that matters and the success you desire. On today's episode of Her Business Beat, I would love to share with you seven lessons or tips for anybody who is in startup or trying to restart a business. So on Her Business Beat, we want to talk to all women in business, and we understand that not everybody is at six or seven figures right now. In fact, a lot of people are just trying to replace their income, maybe leave their nine to five for their passion or have some other goal in mind. Maybe it's part-time income and all of those are okay. Those are your personal goals. But whatever your end is with your business, there are ways to do it that will get you to that end faster and with a lot less headache. So I'd like to just tell you a little bit about my backstory. I've shared it on a couple other episodes, but 17 years ago this year, so yeah, back in 2006, I decided to embark on my entrepreneurial journey. I was tired of seeing how healthcare was done. I was working as a speech therapist. Um, I had worked in nursing homes. I had worked in the public school system. I worked in pediatric private practice, and I still couldn't find my happy space. I started to think something was wrong with me. Like, was I just one of those people that was never going to be completely content in my role? So I started diving into that question with myself of, if something's not wrong with me, what's wrong with work the way that I'm doing it? Why is it not fulfilling me the the way that I want? And what I decided was that in all of those places I was in, I was working with great people. I was learning from other therapists. I loved my patients. That wasn't the problem. The problem was that I couldn't serve as creatively as I wanted to. I felt confined to boxes of healthcare systems. So if you are a creative in healthcare, it's kind of like being in jail. So I was really struggling with providing services in the confines of the spaces that I was working in. And so I realized that as I started my journey as an entrepreneur, my goal was to kind of change how I was delivering healthcare and break away little by little from insurance systems. And now we we talk about boutique practices all the time. It's become rather common. But in 2006, that really wasn't the case. There wasn't a ton of cash pay clinics. So that was why I started. But along the way, I did some things right, not knowing what I was doing. I was very naive. Um, I knew what I was passionate about, but I didn't really, I didn't have a background in business at all. I was a clinician. So my background was in healthcare, but I did have that strong passion. I did pull in a couple business partners at the start, and I'm glad that I did because one of them was in banking and came with a whole other set of expertise that I didn't have. So although that partnership 
dissolved at some point along my journey. And I'll talk about that in a minute. There were definitely pieces of information that I gained that were valuable to my startup. So let's dive in. I've got seven tips for you or lessons that I learned. Number one, if you are trying to start a business, so let's say you haven't started yet, or you have started and things aren't quite moving along the way you would like to, and you kind of feel the need to rewind and start again, the very, very first thing that I would tell you to do is create a business plan. I speak with so many women in small business that never created a business plan. And it's kind of like your roadmap. So if I wanted to go to a place I've never been before and take a road trip, I would have to look at my Google Maps and find my way there. I'd have to navigate, but I have to know my destination before I can put that into my Google Maps. So a lot of people are running business without a destination in mind. They don't have goals written down. So they're just kind of in it and winging it. So I could get in my car and I could put it in go and go. I could put it in drive and I could start driving it. But just because I start driving the car doesn't mean it's going to land me in the place that I want to be in. I think when a lot of people think about a business plan, they get very overwhelmed thinking it needs to be this grand document of all kinds of numbers and figures and revenue projections. And certainly while there are numbers and figures that are in that document, you can create a very simple startup business plan or a restart plan. So if you've never done a business plan, you can start. So even if you've been in business for five years, 10 years, and you've actually never done a formal business plan, you can do it for this next year or next quarter. So in that plan, What I want you to think about, though, is what actions are you going to prioritize? What place are you trying to drive to and in what amount of time? I had a conversation with a lady. It was a few months ago, and she had some goals. She told me that she wanted to make $250,000 in profit during this year. And I was like, that's awesome. Then I said, what did you make in the last year? And she couldn't answer the question. So I asked her, I said, well, then how do you know $250,000 is a good mark? And she said, well, that's just what I want to make. And maybe she could do it. But without having a clear mark of where you've been and what you actually have brought in, it's kind of hard to make reasonable predictions about where you want to go. And I will say this, I don't think the media helps us. I think as women, we are inundated with have a six-figure business, break a million dollars this year. And the problem is, is if you're not breaking 50K, how are you going to get to a million in the next year? Is it possible? Sure it is. Is it probable? No. And I'm not trying to rain on anyone's parade, but I think sometimes we end up disappointed because the expectations that we set out for ourselves are not very realistic from the point that we're at. Not to say that we can't get to $1 million or you can't get to your six-figure breakthrough. But if you have a plan in place and you prioritize actions on a timeline, and the other thing I want to tell you is to prioritize relationships. Yes, 
on your business plan. So on your business plan, include the networking that you're going to be involved with, include the partnerships that you need to find, the mentorships, if you need to hire a coach, and that's a relationship that you need to build. All of those things are part of a business plan that will create profit for you. The next thing that I want to invite you to do, so this is lesson two or tip two, is to create only two to three signature services if you're a service-based business. If you sell products, let's say you'd sell jewelry, obviously you don't have two to three products. You have many, many products, but you should have one message. So let me say that again. If you're in a service-based business, create two to three signature services. That's what you're messaging about. Not five, not seven, two to three. And create one message for your many products if you're in a product-based business. So you want to dial in on exactly what you're selling. And what happens is a lot of people, they want to create a bunch of services. Like they want their menu to look like Cheesecake Factory. Um, I'm sure you've been there. You go in there and it's like pages and pages and pages of options. Well, that's okay for the Cheesecake Factory, but honestly, and people go there because of that, because there's something for everybody. But when you're in startup or you're at the beginning of your business journey, so you might think, well, I've been doing this for a year or two. You're still in the startup phase. You're still at the beginning of your business journey. The more that you can specialize the products that you serve, that you provide to your clientele, the, the deeper you can go with your messaging, with your copy as a copywriter, I implore you to please like make your messaging as deep as possible on as few products or services as possible. You want to get known for something that's clear to people and you want to be known very well for it. You want to be an expert if you have a certain service in just a couple of things. And here's the great thing is that you can always add products and services after you get known for your two or three signature services. So build your messaging deep on those. Don't try to sell a bunch of stuff because what will happen is you're going to muddle up your messaging. It's very, very hard when I try to write a website for someone who's trying to appeal to maybe five different services and quite frankly, the client avatars, the ideal client for each of those services is very, very different. It's hard to put all of that inside of one website. You you just can't. It's very difficult to message to five different client avatars in one piece of copy or on one brand asset. Another thing is you can also focus on a couple things. Maybe you offer a few more things, but focus on messaging just a couple of things at a time. There are products, or not products, services that I offer that I don't really talk about because number one, maybe they're not the thing I love doing the most. And number two, they're not the most profitable for me. I might do them, but I might do them for already established clients and they're receiving that messaging, but it's not on my direct messaging. I might do those things by request if it aligns with the season that I'm in. So just because you do more than two or three services doesn't mean you have to talk about more than two or three services at a time. Stay clear, stay concise, and go deep in your messaging. So my next piece of advice for you is kind of twofold. 
Remember these things. You are it. When you start, you are the wearer of all the hats and it can be very, very exhausting. But in the beginning, you don't really have the resource a lot of the times to outsource. You want to outsource, but you're like, I'm, I'm bootstrapping this. If you are bootstrapping a business, you are correct. You're not at the place where you can effectively outsource work for the most part. But here's the other side of that coin. You do need to have a good understanding of your per hour cost and value. So let me explain that. When I started up, I was doing everything as most of us do when we start up. So I was doing all of my email marketing for my clinic. I was doing all of the hiring, the billing for insurance that I was taking for a while. I did all of that. All the faxing. Yes, we had fax machines when I started and I I was doing all of it. I did come to a point where I asked myself one day, I was like, how much is my time worth? And as a therapist, if I was providing direct services to a child, it was $90 an hour that someone was paying me or paying my clinic rather. I was worth, my time was worth $90 an hour. If I was sitting behind the desk doing billing for an hour and I could pay somebody $15 an hour to do that, you can already tell what the math is there, right? Why would I put myself in a place where I could schedule another hour of clients at $90 an hour to do a $15 an hour job because I could still net profit? That's where I started outsourcing was on those kinds of tasks that I could very clearly see. I knew I could build the clientele to replace the hour. I already had a wait list. So this was kind of a no brainer to outsource. But there were other things that I couldn't outsource immediately because I did need to be a bit tighter in my budget. And it just wasn't that the right time in my business to completely outsource out. So this is a place where you have to be very smart about the timing and the tasks that you're trying to outsource and make sure that you have the revenue coming in to do it. So like I said, it's kind of a double-edged sword is you're trying to release tasks to make more revenue, but unless you know you've got a viable stream of clients coming through and you're seeing that your time is super tight, I guess I would say that's probably the time to let go is when you realize that you're taking on tasks that you don't have to do and you're not taking on more clients because your time is tied up in the tasks that somebody else can do, that's your tipping point. But up until then, sister... I hate to break it to you, but you've got to do everything. And that might require some conversations with your spouse, with your family, and getting them on board that while you are going to be spending more time than maybe they like in your business, it's temporary. You have to have balance around this, right? You can't be in your business constantly and ignoring, neglecting family and your spouse or your partner. In the beginning of a business, it's going to be the hardest thing you've ever done And to be successful, it's just old-fashioned hard work. You're going to have to dive in at a level that you never knew possible, that you've never, you're going to work harder for yourself than you ever worked for anybody else. And if you do that in the beginning, I promise you, your time will come where you can start outsourcing things and you will gain that time back, but you've got to work hard in the beginning. So the next piece of advice I would say is to pay for knowledge. I want you to become the best 
at whatever it is you do. I want you to be obsessed with being the best at whatever it is that you do. And there are so many avenues to knowledge these days between digital courses, there's in-person workshops, there's networkings and trainings locally, so many avenues to education. And in your own field, I'm sure there's conferences, there's online summits, there's all kinds of ways to access information. But pay for that information, better your skills, become the best at those two to three services that you provide. Why? Because when you can message information that nobody else is talking about or is leading your industry, even if it's in a local area, people will start listening to you. You will set yourself apart from your competition. And that's key in business. If you are saying the same thing as everyone else, there's no differentiation factor between you and the someone else. So become the best at what you're doing. I see so many people functioning in business on mediocre and they are frustrated with why they have mediocre results in their business. Maybe they're getting some referrals from friends and family, their local community, but they can't seem to break out of just a small circle of referrals. And quite frankly, it's just because they haven't aspired to be something greater than mediocre. So get out there, invest in a course I had to pay when I transitioned from speech therapy to copywriting. I was a great writer. I've always been a good writer, but writing for, you know, my journal and writing maybe for my blog, I used to have a personal blog is much different than writing for a business. And although I felt like I had pretty good business savvy, there were a lot of things that I did not know. There were industry terminologies I had yet to learn. I invested in a $2,500 course that I paid over so many months, and it was a great investment. I have more than earned my money back from that course just because I was able to get expert skills and things or sharpen skills that I had, but were kind of raw. And I knew what I was doing. And guess what? I felt confident in selling what I was selling at this point. And talking about my services in a different way than I was doing before. The next lesson is I want you to pay very, very close attention to where your referrals are coming from. What am I trying to tell you here? We spend a lot of time as small business owners trying to figure out how to be on all the channels, right? There's your Instagram, there's Facebook, there's LinkedIn, there's TikTok, there's all these channels of social media. And social media is great. It's a great way to get your brand out there, get messages out there. But on the other side of that, there might be in-person connections. There might be great referral partners that you have that are people that you either network with online or in community. And what I want you to do is sit down with your accounts sit down and look at your last few months of referrals and ask yourself, where exactly did this referral come from? In my business, I have always been a good connector with people and I do that really well, either online networking or in-person networking. So hence why I have a networking group. I'm very passionate about it. It's not that I haven't gotten business through social media, but I find social media is a great place for me to start relationships with people, educate, do all those things, build my brand. But my 
conversions have come off of my website. So social helps get people to my website. But I would say my greatest source of referral is actually from person connections, people that I know, people I have connected with who are connected with somebody else. So this person that I've met networking and have built relationship with for five years, 10 years is in contact with a company or knows somebody who runs a corporation and they hear a need and they think of me and they put me in touch with them. And then that company refers me to somebody else. That has actually been how I've grown my business the fastest. So I have to pay close attention to that because if that's what's bringing in the revenue, it's not to nix social media. I still need all of that. And it's not to say social media can't bring me in more revenue. So I don't want to tell you that either. But for my own personal business, I need to double down on my connections. What does that look like for me? I have tried to be really intentional, especially since the start of the new year, on creating some business luncheons with women that I've actually just really wanted to connect with. And so I reach out to them. And it's sometimes people that I don't really know very well, except I've maybe met them a couple of times, but they just really stand out to me as bright, intelligent, savvy women. And I just want to get to know them better. I'm not trying to sell them myself. I just want to get to know them better. But over time, those relationships and being very intentional about the types of relationships that you're cultivating can lead to some really amazing business leads for you. Look at your past business and find out where those people have come from. And if they are coming from social media efforts on a certain channel, double down on that. If they're coming from your in-person networking, double down on those efforts because you're just going to multiply what's already working for you. Next on the list is that you need to end your business engagements as soon as the red flags go up or these people don't fall into how you work and operate. This is a hard one. I would love to say that I did this one right, but I actually have done this one wrong many, many times. But each time I do learn a big lesson and that's in just being in integrity with myself. So back in, gosh, I have to go back and back. I told you I started with um, a couple business partners back in 2006. Those business partners exited our partnership. We had a discussion. There were some things going on in their personal life, and it was disruptive to my clinic. Uh, there became a lot of strife between what was going on personally and what I felt was coming into the office professionally. It was a really hard conversation for me to have at probably 29 years old at that point with people who actually had more means than I did, were part of my startup uh, money. And uh, But I just was really feeling like I couldn't run this business. I was the one on the inside. They were silent partners. I couldn't run this business on the inside the way that I needed to. And I did not like the way it was feeling. So after some tough talks, one of the partners exited. One stayed in for a minute. It was a husband and wife team. It became difficult for him to stay in partnership with me when she was feeling a certain way about some things going on with them personally. And he ended up exiting. That was really painful. I felt like I lost friends. Um, I lost my partner's 
But what I gained from that was renewed clarity. And I remember breathing again and thinking like, okay, I I could do this. Like I learned a lot from them and I'd never take that away from them. But in order to steer my ship in the direction I needed it to go, which was the reason that I left corporate healthcare to start, I had to kind of get hold of the helm of the ship again. And I was the one, I kept valuing their capital and their money that they were bringing in, but I was the one with the skill set. I was the one with the industry knowledge, not them. And I undersold myself that way until it just became a place where I was so uncomfortable that I had to say something and I had to get back in control of that business. You're going to come into spaces with people, whether it's a client a business partner, uh, some other kind of partnership that you're in where it doesn't feel like it's in alignment anymore. And it's really hard to confront those things because most of us don't like to tip the apple cart. We don't like upsetting things. We want to pray that the problem just goes away. But unfortunately, problems just seem to fester more. And so if you don't get in control of that situation and this is your vision. Remember that like, this is your vision, your calling in the world, your purpose. And if other people are not aligned to that and disrupting that, you're just going to feel drained. You're going to start resenting your own business and it's not going to feel good. And you're going to find yourself not happy with where you're at. Have those conversations as tough as they are If you've got a client who is like giving you, I don't know, they're just bringing in a small percentage of your income, but they are taking up like 80% of your time every day trying to put fires out. You have to look at that. Those are hard numbers, right? But that person is probably somebody that you need to dismiss. And maybe they're somebody else's right client. So remember, you are dismissing them because they are not the best fit for you. But you know what? They might be the best fit for somebody else. And you've probably heard this before, but we teach people how to treat us. And it goes for our personal relationships, but it also goes for our business relationships. You have to groom people how to work with you. What's okay? What are your time boundaries? What is the boundary of your communication? How do you work? If they have a request of you, how does that come through? All of those things. But when someone's disrespecting your time or they are not congruent with your long-term vision and mission for how you're serving, I want you to end that business engagement before it festers into something that robs you of not just your profit, but also your joy. This is a good lead-in into the next one. I want to remind you that you're going to need to recalibrate your business many, many, many times. I can't emphasize this enough. I have talked to some women who are pretty young in business and they're very set and I'd say kind of quite stubborn on their business plan or what they are trying to execute and how they're trying to execute it. And things aren't going very well in some areas, but they're unwilling to change course for whatever reason, they've become convinced of this. I think sometimes we get a little bit hurt when we realize that something we have tried to do and we put a lot of effort into is not working exactly how we panned out. You have to let that go. You've got to not look at that as a personal thing on yourself. Business is not a 
I don't know, set it forth once and it goes right the first time. I think you could talk to any billionaire on the planet and they would tell you that it took many, many times to get the formula correct for what they do. And it's never set in stone. It's never, business is never done. You're constantly pivoting and changing. Our market right now, in case you're unaware, is pretty volatile. We are not in a very stable marketplace. And so if you're trying to just stick with how you've always done things or what you've got set in your mind must be done and you're not paying attention to the market, you're not paying attention to how your client avatars are evolving with that market, what their needs are, then you're going to miss the boat. Be prepared to recalibrate. When you start to see that you are in a profit decline, stop and have a meeting with yourself. Don't let it get so far gone. Don't let this be a runaway train where you end up upside down, overinvested, you're in the red, you're not getting the money back that you need, and you are causing further harm to yourself and potentially your family's income. You can get hold of a lot of problems if you address them head on and when you just start to see them slide. But that's why that business plan is so important. That's always your frame of reference of whether you're on track or not. And if you find that you're not on track for your monthly goals, your quarterly goals, then that's when you sit down and recalibrate that plan. But if you wait, if there's no plan in motion and you let the slide for one, two, three years until you literally have just bled yourself dry... You're going to have regret over your business. And let me say this, even if a business doesn't pan out, okay, like we want all of our business ideas to pan out. I have done some things in the past that did not pan out, but I don't count those as failure. I count those as lessons learned. They were stepping stones, but I didn't let them get too far to where like I couldn't then start the next thing. And I think that's the key. Don't let something go downhill so fast, so hard that you can't recalibrate it. But do know that there's nothing wrong with needing to recalibrate your goals and you will find yourself way more profitable for it. That's all I've got for you today. Those are some lessons that, like I said, either I picked up along the way, I happened to get something right here or there, but a lot of them were things that took me years to kind of understand. And if you don't have to take years to do that, that's awesome. But it did take me years. And I will say there were times where I lost money. There were times where my taxes way exceeded what I had planned for. And that created burden for the next few years. You're not going to get it perfect. None of us do. But there are best practices in any industry and in business. There are best practices to a successful business launch, a successful business startup. And there are so many resources There are small business associations across the country that provide low-cost or free business plans. There are so many books. There are so many podcasts you can listen to. So take advantage of your resources. Find mentors. Find people in your local community that you can get with and bounce your ideas off of. But most importantly, be open. Be open to input. Be open to change. Be open to seeing That just because something doesn't go the way you originally planned it to go doesn't mean that it can't be better than what you originally planned it to be. And I think that's been the great surprise of business for me is I sometimes had tunnel vision about where I was going to. But then when I took the blinders off and I reassessed my situation, there were actually greater opportunities that I envisioned. And by staying on track with your business, 
by investing in yourself, by having that business plan, by putting your time and energy into what's actually working, where your referrals are coming from, you're going to end up with a business that you love. And ultimately the reason I think, oh, I know I'm in business and I hope you are in business, that ultimate why to serve other people, you'll be able to do at such a greater capacity. And when we can help others and we can bring solutions to the world, that just feels really good. So go on your merry way, go make this business, go help other people, go serve people, do it well. And I just wish you all the best. Thanks for tuning in to Her Business Beat. I hope you found some sunshine for your business journey or heard something that made your purpose pulse beat faster. Please hit subscribe, write us a review and share this episode with a friend. Tune back in for new episodes soon. 